When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. What if I told you the 49ers had the longest winning streak in the entire NFL? Congratulations, 49ers fans. We do it again. Jimmy G comes out and gives everybody such a wonderful Christmas present. And we beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in the best defense of the entire NFL. And, you know, we just put up 44 points against them. 21 fourth quarter points alone. Holy freaking cow. What a great day. So the 49ers come off another win. We now have four straight wins. And we have won five out of the last six games. Which has only been done by four other teams in the entire NFL this season. A five out of six win streak. And that is just a testament to not only our new quarterback that we just got, and Jimmy Garoppolo deserves all the praise that he is going to get, but this is a total team effort whenever you look at GM, head coach, and yes, I'll say it, even owner, Jed York. Congratulations, sir. This rookie class has just been beyond dynamic, and we come on with another win, which is wonderful. Now, obviously, we are out of the playoffs, but holy freaking cow, I can guarantee you this. If every team in the NFL set picked five teams that they do not want to play right now, we're going to be on every damn team's list. Nobody wants to mess with us right now because we just keep winning. And it doesn't matter who we play against on the road, on the um, at home. It doesn't matter. So we get another win. We win 44-33 to 33 and just such a great game. Now, couple random notes as we go through this. And Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm recording this on Christmas. My wife was very kind to let me escape for a few hours. Uh, But anyway, having said all those things, the Jaguars went into this game and in the first quarter found out that they clinched their division because when the Rams beat the Titans, that knocked them into uh, their division lead uh, and locked it up. So they're in the playoffs, and that's great. As of now, they currently sit at the three seed. But they still had a lot to play for because if they won out this game and their next game, it was possible they would have been the number one seed clinch home field advantage for the AFC in the playoffs. And I don't think anybody would have guessed that for the Jaguars going into this year, but their defense has been monumental and historic on uh, just a historic level with turnovers, yards allowed, and scoring defense, which is just incredible. The most points that they had allowed all year was 37. Um, We completely, we beat that, 44. So not only that, but 
they had 24 straight games, Jacksonville's defense I'm talking about, where they did not allow a touchdown on the first drive. We go ahead and we score a first quarter touchdown for the first time in 12 games. I mean, streaks are made to be snapped, and that is two of the longest ones in the NFL that were snapped on the same play uh, where Jimmy Garoppolo goes in and gets the touchdown. Now, understand this. This is an interesting game on many accounts because they run a very similar defense to us. Their defense is different in the fact that they use their linebackers. They drop them on their initial snap read automatically because what their entire thing is, we have the best cornerbacks in the league. Again, I'm talking about Jacksonville here. And so what they do is they allow their corners to man up on the outside and just completely dominate, which they're incredible. And then what they do is they drop their backers and they say, we're going to bend but not break. Now, we do not play that way. We have our linebackers as guys that come up to plug the run because it's just what we do because we give up so many yards rushing and we don't have corner help. And so because of that, Jacksonville has been known to give up a lot of yards rushing, but absolutely terrible to throw against. In fact, the Jaguars have not allowed a quarterback in 16 games, I'm sorry, in 15 games to pass for over a, uh, to have a passer rating of over 100. Um, until they met Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the first quarterback this entire year in 15 games to have a 100-plus quarterback rating. And again, this is just a testament to how great he is playing. Now, their defense played lights out. It was no gimme. Their D-line is absolutely historic. I mean, it's amazing. Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson are both Pro Bowl-level players, and they played that way. Now, having said all those things, Our team went out and executed a flawless game plan set up by Kyle Shanahan, and it wasn't easy. Every catch was contested. There were no, like, blown coverages. The rushing that we got was (laughs) very, very hard hard fought. And and so that's who we are. And, And it's wonderful to be able to come out of a game like this with not only a W, but showing you can impose your will on anybody. On anybody. Now, a couple more just notes on how great... Jacksonville has been and how great we were in this game. Jacksonville had not allowed one red zone touchdown in the last five weeks, meaning the only touchdowns that were given up against them were defensive scores or huge explosive plays. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo had three this week alone. So five straight weeks without allowing one red zone touchdown, we had Jimmy Garoppolo had three by himself. Uh, well, not by himself, passing uh, definitely two throwing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Also, this is the first time that Jacksonville had trailed in a game since week 12. And by far the most yards allowed in the first half and all season by, by Jacksonville. So our team just went out there and just, man, manhandled this great defense. Having said that, uh, Jacksonville's defense against seven games this year had held the opponents to single-digit points. We put up 44. So, And to ice the game, and I'll talk about this play again, one of the best play calls ever to win the game. They had their timeouts, and they were going to get the ball back. Even if we made the field goal, it would have been a seven-point lead late in the fourth quarter. But we ran a fake jet sweep, our speedster Goodwin, and then we pitched in the opposite direction. Now, we were motioning Goodwin from a trip side, so there was three receivers. There was Goodwin on the outside, then we had our second receiver, and then we even had a slot that was almost in an H-back setting. Now, when Goodwin came across, we had both our other wide receivers blocked down, which left the corner one-on-one 
with Matt Breida being tossed to the outside, but we pulled Staley around, and it was just absolutely amazing. Um, we saw this play a couple times whenever uh, he was with the Falcons, but I hadn't seen it yet this year, and it was interesting to see that, man, he just had that in his back pocket waiting and just waiting. And so absolute great play to win the game, to ice the game. Now, let's go through and talk about our offensive players and how they did. The MVP, hands down, goes to Jimmy Garoppolo. Holy freaking cow. And this wasn't even his best game, uh, statistically speaking, but he played lights out. He goes 21 for 30, uh, 21 pass completions on 30 attempts for 242 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Now, the interception, he got hit as he was throwing, and the ball kind of fluttered up in the air. But still, that goes against some of the stat book. Three rushes for three yards, one touchdown, and he had one sack for four yards. We're going to have a sack every game because Fusco is on our line, and he lets one person go for free every game. It's almost like he owns Lone Shark some money. Having said that, Fusco played pretty great overall. It's just every single game he gives up a free sack, and this was no exception. Now, here's what's crazy about Jimmy Garoppolo. This is only his sixth career start sixth (laughs) like this guy is not an experienced nfl player at all as far as game experience but man you could not tell that from watching him he did break a couple records um the most passing yards ever in somebody's first four starts with a new team he threw for 1250 yards in his first four starts passing kurt warner whenever he joined the rams with 1217 so that's a pretty that's a almost 15 year long record that he now holds the only quarterback as i said earlier to post over 100 quarterback rating versus his jags and he left some available the most wide open play he had all game was on the first very first play where kendrick Bourne was running about a 15 yard drag route across the field and he overthrew him besides that he was just absolutely perfect he goes five for six on his first drive for 75 yards and capped it off with a rushing touchdown his very first rushing touchdown of the year and man as soon as this happened you saw jacksonville just look around and implode and i think a lot of that had to do with they've been playing ahead all season and tevin smith their linebacker who's amazing by the way came out this week and said this is a hat and t-shirt type of game meaning this is easy we don't even have to go out there and play that hard well (laughs) as soon as stuff started going wrong you saw them start arguing on the sideline we drew so many penalties against them just because our players kept their calm whereas they were just losing it and they had a lot to play for remember they they had on the line for one a first round bye and two home field advantage throughout the playoffs which doesn't seem like they're going to get now so his play action was absolutely impeccable. Jimmy Garoppolo this game killed it in the first quarter with lots of bootlegs. And our run game was not necessarily effective, but it seemed like they said our corners will be able to stop this weak wide receiving core as long as we can hold them from rushing. Well, they didn't account for the pass accuracy of Jimmy Garoppolo. And he was not scared of the corners. He was attacking Jalen Ramsey in man-on-man press coverage when we had Kendrick Bourne out there, our uh, undrafted rookie free agent against one of the top three corners in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo did not care. Third and four on the opening drive, he throws an amazing slant pass to Kendrick Bourne. And with Tevin Coleman flashing outside i mean there was less than a yard space from side to side of kendrick Bourne, and it didn't matter just absolutely perfect throw 
He hit. He also goes on that same time and hits use check on a 44-yard wheel route. It didn't matter who he was throwing to. Jimmy Garoppolo spreads the ball around. Um, let's see here. Two, four, six, eight, nine different people he completed passes to. And again, on his interception, definitely was not his fault. We were in the red zone, and it was a huge turnover. It was third down. Zane Beatles gets beat on the edge, and his hand gets hit as he goes into his throwing motion. It would have been great to get a field goal there at least. It would have put us up um, over seven points going into the half. But having said that, we come out, and we open up to a 16-0 lead. Then we get the extra point blocked. They return it for two points, and they score back-to-back touchdowns. So we go 16, they score 16, and they come out of the half and score again. But it doesn't matter. We scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to make another. That's three straight come-from-behind second-half comebacks by Jimmy Garoppolo and this team. Absolutely amazing. He holds a 79, Jimmy Garoppolo holds a 79% completion percentage in the fourth quarter, which is best in the NFL, and it's not even close. Now, I do understand he's only played four games for us, but still, that's a decent sample size. Uh, four games, that's 25% of the season, and he's he has not played against bad defenses either. Now, the scramble drill on third and goal late in the fourth quarter for a touchdown was just one of the best quarterback plays you're going to see. He's running to his left. Now, he's a right-hand thrower, so he has to throw against his motion, against the way he's running and all that stuff, so he has to stop, square up his shoulders and all that stuff against his momentum. Now, there's a free rusher coming in his face as he scraped outside, but what he did was he sidearmed it and made basically almost like a double-play shortstop throw, and he even made a comment on this. They said, walk us through this, and he's like, well, I guess all those years playing baseball finally paid off. He hits Trent Taylor with a great catch in traffic as always, and holy freaking cow, Trent Taylor is just, that guy is lights out amazing. Having said this, he is eighth in the entire NFL on third down conversions. Trent Taylor, our rookie (laughs) wide receiver that just plays like a vet. He only had three catches this game for 19 yards, but all of them were just gigantic plays for first down or touchdown conversions. And he just, he understands coverage. Almost all of his routes are option routes towards the linebackers, which means they're dropping in zone coverage. He runs straight at them and then almost does like a post-up pick spin where he just finds space, and they tell him, look, you're going to catch the ball, and you're going to get drilled by a linebacker twice your size, but that's your job. You are a zone eater, and he's so clutch. He's got little bitty tiny hands, some of the smallest that have ever gone through the combine, but they're like Velcro. Little tiny baby hands, Trent Taylor, does not matter. He goes in and just takes hit after hit after hit and pops up with a smile on his face. Just such a tough, amazing player. Now let's talk a little bit about our run game. Carlos Hyde found zero space, but was effective. He goes 21 attempts on 51 yards, which is absolutely terrible, below three yards a carry, which is never good, but he gets a touchdown, and his touchdown run was amazing late in the fourth quarter. He had an unblocked edge player coming straight at him, 
and juke this guy out of his shoes. Now, it was a corner, and it was designed that way. It was about a seven-yard run, and basically what's happening, the offensive scheme says, we're going to account for everybody, and we believe our running back can go one-on-one with an unblocked corner and get past him. And sure enough, juked him so bad that the corner didn't even get a hand on him and walked into the end zone. Absolutely great touchdown. Now, I will say this. He had three receptions on three targets for 19 yards, and he is still... One of only two players in the entire NFL to lead his team in rushing yards and receiving yards. And the other player to do that is LaShawn McCoy. So if you look at Carlos Hyde, he is playing. He's a top 10 running back in the NFL. Just statistically alone. Now, his yards per carry has gone down tremendously this year. Usually he averages about 4.7 per year. He's below that this year. But teams are scheming to take him away. But he runs so hard and with so much passion and fights for every single yard, which is, that's all you can ask for. And he's going to be a free agent next year. I really hope we keep this guy. Just because he's not going to demand a lot of money. He's going to get about 5 to $6 million a year, very similar to the Kyle Juszczyk contract. And what we have works. If we just get some decent run blockers, there are four linemen, four out of five linemen right now, probably won't start for us next year. Maybe Kilgore. So you could say three out of five linemen, 60%, will not be back next year, and they have terrible run blocking grades. What is happening right now is amazing if you look at our offensive line outside of Joe Staley. You could say Daniel Kilgore is playing decent, average at best for an NFL center. But our left guard, right guard, right tackle right now are awful. And our wide receiver core is still not decent. Not at all. We are definitely a bottom five. I understand Marquise Goodwin's made great strides, and he's playing amazing. But nobody would choose our receiving core. What we are doing is maximizing potential and talent all the way across the board nonstop. And look no further than Matt Breida. Undrafted free agent. Comes in here. Playing the number two running back role. And had the best game of his career so far. He goes 11 rushes with 74 yards and a touchdown. He added to that one catch on one target for eight yards. And just efficiency. That's just who he is. He comes out, he goes straight ahead, and he's a freaking pinball. Carlos Hyde absorbs contact and powers through. Matt Breida is a glider that bounces. He'll have contact with the player, and it almost seems like his momentum doesn't stop. It's not like tough contact. He just he just bounces. He looks like a pinball with a high motor out there. And he got very, very lucky with the forward progress call in this game where he had a very clear fumble. But they, they, the referee called that his forward progress had already stopped, and therefore he was going to uh, – the fumble didn't count. Doug Marone, the head coach, challenged it, was very, very upset. They would have won it clearly, but we, got, we caught a huge break, which we haven't been able to say many times this year that we got a big break. Now, check comes out, and goodness, he's on a three-game tear. His first few games were awful this year. You know, he was he's the only 49ers named to the Pro Bowl. There's not a lot of fullbacks out there, and he's got the name recognition and stats to back it up, and he's awesome. But his first five games were awful, like terrible. I was even calling for him to cut his contract and move on, but absolutely not now. He has come back and just been on a tear. Five catches on five targets for 76 yards absolutely amazing he led the team in receptions this week uh receiving yards and receptions 
So hats off to the guy. He's playing amazing. Two nice catches out of the backfield back-to-back in the second quarter and loves to fight for extra yards. You just I love it whenever he gets the ball because he has both hands on the ball and just trucks very slowly, but it's like he smiles and looks to hit defenders and just such a great personality and mindset that you want on your team. And even Jimmy Garoppolo came out this week and said, let's get this guy on the field as much as possible, please. Get him out there. Just because pass protection is top-notch, run blocking is top-notch, and he can catch out of the backfield. Goodwin had a much quieter day than normal, but whenever you're going against two all-pro cornerbacks, you got to expect that. He has three receptions on six targets, so for 37 yards, back to that 50% target catch rate, but hey... If you would have told me he was going to have those stats today, I'd be totally fine with that. Great toe-tap catch on the sidelines to start the game. And he was catching balls with zero separation, which is saying a lot with somebody that's as fast as him he is. He's probably one of the top five fastest players in the entire NFL. And those guys were just 100% locked down on him. Now, I will say this. The team was definitely scared of his speed, and they were rolling their single high safety over the top, which opened up our tight end and our slot receiver, which was great. Kendrick Bourne, man, he had one huge catch on a slant right to convert uh, for a first down, but he got pretty quiet after that. One catch for five targets and 12 yards. Greg Kittle, holy freaking cow. He took advantage of Selleck being injured. Now, Selleck was questionable, and he has played lights out. And he got the play, but he only got 17 snaps. And he wasn't targeted at all in the passing game. But Greg Kittle was. Three receptions on three targets for 42 yards and a touchdown. And he had the great touchdown catch in traffic. He gets caught. Basically, he runs a five-yard just stop. And so he turns around, posts up, gets the catch, turns around and tries to fight for the end zone and bounced off two defenders that just knocked the crap out of him and got the touchdown. Just so tough. And if there's anything about this rookie class in this team as we move forward with guys like Kittle, guys like Trent Taylor, guys like Matt Breida, guys like Ruben Foster, guys like Adrian Colbert, holy freaking cow, we can go on and on and on. It is tough as hell football players with a desire to win and team first attitude. And that rookie culture has permeated everything and we've got guys now like Carlos Hyde that don't care about their stats they, stats, they just want to win and that's unheard of for a running back that had as much prestige as he has coming out of Ohio State going into a contract year and he just cares about wins man I hope we keep that guy O-line played great absolutely incredible that we gave up one sack but again that was on the Fusco play and man credit to Tomlinson our left guard, who we traded for and has started every single snap since he came in, Lincoln Tomlinson, he was pissing off Malik Jackson all game and drew so many. He drew that gigantic headbutting personal foul penalty for a first down late in the game, which was crucial to preser- preserving our lead. So hats off to the O line as they continue to just dominate in pass protection, but still very, 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 very weak in the run game. All right. Now let's shift over to the defensive side. Now, this was not a statistically pleasing game, uh, to say the least. We give up 33 against Blake freaking Bortles, 472 yards offense, but, man, we forced three turnovers, and we scored on all of the turnovers. We were able to convert those into points. 
Now, obviously, they had close to 500 yards offense, and that's rough, and you don't like seeing that. They get 14 points in the fourth quarter. That's also not acceptable, but we were able to hold on, and we turned those turnovers into great plays. Now, let me just say this as well. It was amazing hearing the crowd on third downs this entire game. It did not stop. It's wonderful seeing home field advantage take place at Levi's. I've been to several games there, and it's an amazing stadium, and it's a lot of fun, and it's super clean, and it's a really cool experience. But it doesn't have that old... I used to live in Kansas City and go to Arrowhead, which is like the biggest piece of crap stadium in the world. But when the game is going on, it's one of the best places to be because it's just so jam-packed, and it's so freaking loud. And it was really cool hearing how loud the crowd got. Absolutely amazing job by the fans, and hopefully this is something that can continue. Now, we get a three and out on the very first drive. How many times have we said that? And uh, back to three and outs since I'm jumping back to the offense because this stat, I didn't have it in my notes. We have only had three three and outs, the 49ers offense, since Jimmy Garoppolo has taken over. Four games, we've had three three and outs. That is just Man, it's so efficient. But back to the defensive side. We come out. We score a touchdown on the opening drive. Then we force a three and out. Absolutely amazing. And the touchdown drive that we gave up in the second quarter that started to swing the momentum, there were three penalties that got three first downs. Like, they were stopped three times. But we just had so many stupid plays. Anyway, now, I I will say this. This is a huge negative, and it's something that I almost put in last week, but I didn't want to focus on the negative. But I'm going to put it in here. I'm going to get negative for a second, and then we're going to go through the players and MVPs and stuff like this. Our cornerbacks coach slash DB coach, Jeff Halfley. He came over from Cleveland Browns offense or defense. I really do not think he is a great fit with our system. There are several technique flaws with our corners and what they are doing now there's a thing called in phase and out of phase basically if i'm a cornerback and i am in man coverage or what we do is we do a man zone scheme which is cover three which means corners are responsible for the deep outside third so hash basically hash mark to end zone on my side i'm responsible for whoever is deepest there that's who i got now In phase means the guy that I am guarding, if I can touch his hip, so if I'm basically one step away or one yard away, if I can reach down and touch his hip, I am now in phase, meaning I can make a play on the ball. Out of phase means if I was to reach out as a corner, I could not touch my man's hip. Therefore, I have to gain ground. So out of phase corner, I keep my eyes on the receiver and I do everything I can just to close ground before the catch and get my hands up. Okay, I never turn around to look at the ball and try to make a play there if I'm in man scheme at that time. We do not do this. What we teach our guys is even if you are in phase, don't turn around. And this is why Richard Robinson was leading the NFL in penalties whenever he was with us. And this is why since he has left, our wonderful freaking Johnson, Dante Johnson, is now leading the NFL in all secondary defensive side of the ball for penalties. Because what happens is we'll be in phase. Our cornerback is in perfect position with the wide receiver. You could reach down and touch his hip. But we do not turn around to make a play on the ball. What we do instead is we get pass interference penalties. It is absolutely ridiculous. This is a very easy 
technique issue that needs to be corrected. And we have seen this happen with all of our corners, including Akilo Witherspoon. Now, that, that I really do think we got to fix that or get a new DB coach. I love this coaching staff, but this is a problem that has not been corrected at all. Not to mention the hands to the face. Uh, you want to physically jam the receivers and you want to be physical and disrupt timing. And I totally understand that. But we continue to strike high and grab people's face masks. Two different third downs were converted in this game just because we grab receivers' face masks. You're on an island out there with two judges, line judges, behind you. You can't do that. And it translates to first downs, which translate to touchdowns. All right. I had to put that in there. Former secondary coach. I, I, I get pissed off at that stuff. Now, the Jaguars lead the entire NFL in rushing with 149 rushing yards per game which is unreal and exceptional well guess how many rushing yards they got this time 92 again we hold a predominant rushing team the best rushing team in the nfl with one of the premier talents in leonard fournette to under 100 rushing yards that is six straight games where we have not allowed a single 100 yard rusher which is amazing congrats to the defense now our mvp for the defense and this is hilarious so make sure you're listening Kerwin freaking Williams, our nickel corner, comes out and balls his tail end off. Five tackles, had the interception that was an amazing play, and he's turning into one of my favorite 49ers. He is a tiny little man. <laughs> he is just, he's mean as hell, and that's all there is to it. He only allowed one catch for 11 yards in coverage all game, and according to PFF, was our highest rated player over Jimmy Garoppolo the highest rated player that we had just balled out had his most snaps all season and whenever he came out the second play of the game we have Reuben Foster first play go and make this amazing tackle for a tackle for loss on the first play then we have Kerwin Williams batting a ball away on just a freak recovery speed gets his hand up and knocks the ball down and just set the tone at the end of the game, we're in a cover two cloud, which basically we're dropping two, uh, both of our safeties onto the hash marks, and they have the outside. So it's not a traditional cover three, which we'll do this a lot of times in um, kind of guaranteed passing situations. And what happens is he's supposed to get depth and keep everything underneath him. Now, having said that, he drops it. But as soon as the ball is thrown, he crashes in and makes this amazing catch. And he even had to tackle one-on-one Leonard Fournette in the backfield. One-on-one, he crashes in, lowers his shoulder, goes super, super low, and just takes the feet right out of him. Just absolute great play today by Kerwin Williams. Man, I am so glad we extended this guy. It's very difficult to find a nickel corner. Because you've got to be tough in the run game, and you've got to be shifty as hell. And so it's it's kind of counter, counterintuitive because you want your smaller, quicker guys, but you're almost an in-the-box defender, so you've got to help out in the run game. But his mentality and how tough he is, he is able to accomplish both. So absolute great get here, and I'm so glad we locked him up. He's going to be a starter for years to come. I am really, really excited about this guy. Now, Ruben Foster, he had a great first half. But again, he goes and gets hurt. Uh, It's just kind of who he is. He goes into the blue tent right before halftime and was shaken up. But 
he still played wonderful. He he ended up sitting out almost all the snaps in the fourth quarter. Now Kyle Shanahan came out and said he was fine if it was a close game. We would have we, he would have been out there, but we want him totally healthy for next week, which is great. And even after the game, you, there's videos out there on Twitter and YouTube of him just going all the way around candle. Uh, I almost said candlestick. Oh man, I love that place. Anyway, all the way around Levi's, shaking hands and doing autographs, taking pictures with the cheerleaders. So he is fine. But again, it's constantly just this violent tenacity that he plays with where he's constantly getting banged up and hurt. Hopefully he's okay. And just an update on Captain uh, Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, he leaves the game with five tackles, so he gets another 15 boxes of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Congratulations to that guy. DeForest Buckner, he is playing some of his best football, which is saying a lot. He had three rough games in a row and just has turned it on. He only had three tackles. He hit the he knocked a mess out of Blake Bortles three different times. Great pursuit in the run game. Um, he had one call where he hit Bortles as he was throwing, and they ruled it a fumble that we got. But after review, they overturned it, and so it doesn't even show up in the stat sheet. But the pressures that this guy is getting and controlling the line of scrimmage is just infuriating to the offensive line and to the run game. So great job. Solomon Thomas was my runner-up for MVP. He got a sack. It was a funny sack. He got he kind of was doing a lean and fell to the ground, reached in between the lineman's legs, and tripped up truly a shoestring tackle to get the sack. Um, our only sack of the game. He had, he also had an additional one and a half tackles for loss. What the half means is him. He had an assistant tackle with somebody else behind the line of scrimmage, and his two big tackles in the run game. He had six tackles, but his two big ones, both were where he was able to contain outside contain, basically squeezing down the left tackle, but maintaining outside leverage and making the play. This is something that he has struggled with so much, and so it's great to see improvement. That's what you want with these young players, especially rookies. You know, Solomon Thomas, we got him in the third pick. He definitely has not lived up to that potential, but he is showing flashes, and if we can keep seeing these flashes and these disruptions in the backfield, it's it's going to be awesome. So, Akilo Witherspoon, our other rookie starter that we need long-term, three tackles, one interception, absolutely great interception in the fourth quarter he's playing trail technique which basically means he's out of phase you have safety help over the top so what you're doing is trying to pin the receiver Blake Bortles made a terrible pass almost on a back shoulder fade is what he was trying to go for but you can't do that um, in trail technique where the cornerback Aquilo in this situation is allowing space he's allowing that space and so made a terrible pass, got his head around just in time, made the great interception, and even had a little bit of a return. He looked fluid out there, looked great. He did get burned by Westbrook early on first. It was the very first third down in the game, but the pressure made Bortles over through it that was put on by DeForest Buckner. And as a corner, that's going to happen, especially when you're playing somebody like Westbrook was a Blitnikoff Award winner, the top wide receiver in the entire nation and a Heisman finalist. And we we held him. Now, we did not hold Keelan Cole, uh, who dominated us, but that's a whole other story. But overall, Aquilo is continuing to put together strong games and even had three tackles. And so if he can just help the littlest bit in the run game, that is a huge positive for us. Now, Adrian Colbert, six tackles. He dropped an interception that he made a great play on. Probably would have been one of the best plays of the year for him where he screams downhill and broke off the seam route. They had somebody running straight up the seam and made 
hit him in the hands. He actually caught it. He caught the ball, but then he slipped his feet. And whenever he slipped, his hands let go of the ball, and it was a dropped interception. But overall, great game. He continues to play very, very well. He got a little banged up. Looked like he hurt his thumb again. Um, We should hear reports in the next day or two. Eric Reed, five tackles. Played absolutely amazing. And our pick six that Dante Johnson got, I'm going to bash Dante Johnson for the rest of my life. But Dante Johnson did get a pick six. pick six, And that was all compliments of Eric Reed. They're running just a simple crossing route against zone coverage. And Eric Reed sees it and reads it perfectly and is screaming down, almost ready to come give like a knockout hit. Probably would have been fine, so on and so forth. But the receiver saw it. And slowed down and alligator armed it. Means that he short armed it. Whenever he did that, he didn't get to catch the ball. Um, bounced off his hands to Dante Johnson and he took it to the house. And Eric Reed even got some snaps at linebacker. Whenever Foster went out in the fourth quarter, they moved Eric Reed straight into Foster's position. Almost like a tryout. There's a decent possibility. Eric Reed is going into um, free agent. He's going to be a free agent next year. He's in a contract year. And if we do sign him, I think we're going to put him at linebacker. And it would be Foster and Eric Reed next to each other, and we would bring in a safety or allow Jimmy Ward to play safety opposite of Adrian Colbert. That is Adrian Colbert's position moving forward. So anyway, Eric Reed, he looked good. Um, He looked decent. He did blow one coverage out of the backfield for a 20-yard gain. Um But other than that, absolutely amazing whenever he was locked on. It was kind of a sneaky play where the back acts like they block on the left side of the line and then they slip out to the right side of the line, and he just didn't see it. Brock Coyle had his best game as a pro, eight tackles, and (laughs) which is good because the offensive plan this entire game for the Jaguars was do not block Brock Coyle number 50. And if you go back and watch film, it's almost kind of sad because they will, they'll have linemen, their left guard would release and move on to the second level and try to block a linebacker. And he would walk past Coyle and look for Reuben Foster. Their entire game plan was Brock Coyle's not an athlete. Let him go. Try to block the athletes. And it worked to a certain extent. But uh, best game by far. He played great. Uh, Definitely missed lots of tackles just because the speed is such an issue. But he's doing a great job. He's 100% a stopgap special teams player. And he's he's bringing it. He's playing great. He's not playing great. He's playing bad. But for him and his potential, he's doing his job, which is all we can ask for. Now, Dante Johnson. First off, he got the pick six. Congratulations. He's got two interceptions in his career. Both of them he took back to the house. Having said that. He's the worst player on the field. And that's after I talked about Brock Coyle. Uh, Dante Johnson, he does not need to be a cornerback anymore. And especially in this system. If he was in just a simple cover two, Tampa two zone, I think his length would help him out. But he is just the penalties, pass interference, hands to the face. And every team the last three weeks we have played, whoever Dante Johnson is guarding is the primary receiving target. They line up. They say, okay, who's got Dante Johnson? It doesn't matter who, and that's who they target. They just pepper the heck out of him, and he cannot handle it. Uh, Cassius March, a great pickup from Seattle. Had a very stupid roughing the passer penalty that eventually led to a touchdown, but he he got a lot of key pressure pressures late in the game. Now, Robbie Gold, he goes one for one. 
Uh, hit a 27-yard field goal. Now, what's crazy is he's got 21 straight field goals, and he broke an NFL record last week. This is awesome. Most field goals ever in a three-week span with 15 field goals last week. So congrats to him. He has played wonderful 21 straight field goals. Now, he did get the extra point blocked in return for a two-point conversion, but that's not on him. There was a breakdown and protection on the right side, and they, they gave up a free blitzer. Now, we did lose an onside kick uh, with two minutes left, but hey, how great is it to be a team that <laughs> other teams have to onside kick against? So props there. Well, obviously, we'll work on it, but it's what it is. Now, injuries, we get out of this one pretty clear. Solomon Thomas got shaken up on a really weird play, but was able to shake it off. Ruben Foster, as I talked about, was okay. Now, let's talk a little bit draft update and the new order and our new pick, and then we'll get into the Rams and what we got next week. So we are currently sitting at number seven. We are tied with the Broncos, Jets, and Bears with that number seven pick with teams that have five wins. Now, there are three teams with six wins right behind us. That's the Bengals, Dolphins, and Raiders. Now, the Raiders play this evening, or depending on when you listened to it yesterday, so that could change. So this means that we could end up anywhere with pick four if we lose next week, which we're not. We'll beat anybody. I don't care who it is. Um, four to 12 statistically, that is the range of possibility for our pick. However, our odds are going to be between that six and 10 pick, which if you follow any of the stuff for draft, man, which I do. And after the season is over, I just want to let you know the draft is kind of my baby. I'm flying out to Dallas for the draft this year. I try to go every year. I'll be bringing a whole bunch of different stuff and I'm currently writing for two different sites um, draft stuff and preparing uh, my draft profiles and all that kind of stuff. So if you're a draft Nick like me, just stay close, stay tuned because there's going to be a lot of that coming your way after the season is over. Now, next week we get the Rams. Holy freaking cow. They are 11 and four. Who would have guessed that they are currently the number three seed in the NFC. Um, now we play them on New Year's Eve at 1:25, and it is in Los Angeles. Now, for me, my Christmas present to my family was we are going to the game, so I'll be at the game, and we live in Pasadena, so we'll be down at the game in LA at the Coliseum. So next week's episode should be out about a day late. I'll try to get it done that night, but I know it's New Year's and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, now this is again. The toughest matchup we have had all year. And that's saying a lot with the teams we've played against. But they are the number two offense in the NFL and the number six defense in the NFL as far as scoring is concerned. This is another tough matchup. But, again, if you look at our last two matchups, we played Tennessee, which is currently the sixth seed in the AFC. And we played Jacksonville, which is currently the three seed. So we play six seed, three seed, three seed, back-to-back-to-back weeks. And, man, I if I'm a... I'm a betting guy. I would totally not bet against the 49ers here. Now, the spread is going to have us at about a five-point underdog because of the road. But I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a game. Now, the Rams got a lot to play for, too. Because if they win and a couple losses take place, they could get a first-round bye. So it's not like they're going to be resting their starters. They do have the playoffs in lock. And they have won the division. They have locked that up. But... If they win this, they have a shot at a first-round bye. So stay tuned next week, and Merry Christmas to all. Jeremy Garoppolo is everybody's present. So anything else you get is just bonus. But stay strong, faithful, and we will talk to you next week.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.